It's the Early Access Podcast, episode 57, September 28th, 2021. It's your name from Still Shampoo. Find us on Spotify and iTunes. We weren't here last week because Kuehler was flying back to France and I was tired. Uh, probably not as tired as Kuehler because we did a live show last week, or the last episode rather, and well, that was because you were back in the area very temporarily and then uh, she flew all the way back over across the Atlantic Ocean. Kuehler, we talked on the last episode about American food. What was your favorite piece of American food before we start the actual show that you had upon returning? It, it's still going to be the, the burrito from the fix that I got, just because it's the one thing I can't really replicate over here. Even when I go to other places in America, California truly does have superior Mexican food, because, I mean, we literally used to be part of Mexico, and they kind of kind of took yeah, it Yeah, but... I imagine, like, maybe Texas does also, but I haven't been there too much. Yeah. I haven't been to Texas too much, uh, but we have some actual early access video games to talk about this week. I uh, just want to let you guys know that after the live show last week, there was no show, and there's probably not going to be a show next week also, because I'm going to be uh, going over to Sony for, I'm highly NDA'd, so I can't talk too much about that, but I'll be gone on Tuesday at 4 p.m. PT, which is when we run the early access podcast, so we'll probably bring it back two weeks from now. We have some actual gaming news to talk about. Uh, but first, we have to go back on to the Still Shampoo Rona Watch segment. It is getting not that bad here in California. And by not that bad, I mean we peaked and we're going back down. It says right here uh, from the New York Times stats, the seven-day average cases is 7,700 right now. Whereas we were in like the 15 and 13 thousands just late August. Now here, late September, we're really starting to dip down. I feel like this is a momentary time to breathe before we have the spike that'll be thanksgiving and christmas all kinds of americans including myself across the world or across the u.s because that's where americans are uh, we're always complaining about having to go see our families for thanksgiving how we do i mean at least i am but i see plenty of other people and we, we're clearly in the minority because last thanksgiving it was just absolutely exploding and everyone was getting sick and there have been several viral threads throughout the past couple of days about people talking about people who have died because of coronavirus, but they didn't have the Rona. I think, did you retweet it onto my timeline, Keel, or was that someone else who their grandpa me, I know I read tripped? One and I, added, I, I had a, well, I can at least say whether or not it was a tweet you read. I can say that I had a relative who did die because they had a heart attack, or I think it might have been a stroke, I don't exactly remember. But they were in an ambulance, and the ambulance just drove around for, like, hours and hours and hours trying to find an empty hospital bed and couldn't. And this was in South America, so this wasn't in the U.S., and it was last year, so before vaccines, before any proper treatment. But so it's like now we have actual some ways to, like, stop the spread of it, and but here we are in the same situation. People are still dying in the same way. Yeah, that is incredibly unfortunate. It's completely preventable. Uh, where people who aren't actually catching the Rona are being impacted by the lack of hospital beds. Now, of course, anyone can go out and make up a completely fake and bogus story, throw it up on Twitter, get that internet clout, rack up those retweets, get interviewed on some late night show just by making up a fake story. I, I'm not saying that your story is fake, Hewler. In fact, you have absolutely no reason and nothing to gain, and you probably don't care about the Twitter clout. Um, yeah, and this isn't on Twitter, too. It's on a... Podcast is, that's viewed by God knows how few people. So dozens. You can trust this Bueller. is not done for the popularity. It's real. 
Yeah, and I'm sure actually I wouldn't be surprised if one percent of the stories out there, or uh, some fraction of them, were fake. When people are talking about, it. I think the recent thread I I read about was uh, someone's grandfather in New Mexico tripped, and he was totally fine. Um, he well, not totally fine. He had to you know go get his leg fixed or or whatever was broken, and after right. he had um you know had his leg injury all the covid uh or all the beds were taken up by covid patients unvaccinated covid patients so he was just chilling for a little bit he caught pneumonia uh which is that is that what he caught killed do you remember the thread uh the one i the one i shared i think had to do with pneumonia so he caught it it went untreated it for a while and it, it only, uh, ended up in him having to have surgery because he had collapsed on the floor for something like six hours before someone found him because they were just so understaffed and they were dealing with all these other COVID patients. He had to go on a ventilator at some point and apparently having a ventilator. There was one tweet in the thread that confused the hell out of me. It said, anyone who's worked in the medical field knows that if you're on a ventilator for too long, it can cause lasting issues. I, I I had no idea that was a thing. I thought a ventilator, you could just stick on someone's face and it breathes for them. Uh, I, of course, went to school for broadcasting and not for any kind of medical skills. So uh, that was not obvious to me. But anyway, it was a completely preventable thing. uh, And he had to go through surgeries. And the uh, woman writing the thread had to call several hospitals around New Mexico and in neighboring states to try to find this man a hospital bed when he very much could have just gone to the local hospital if it wasn't just absolutely flooded with COVID patients. And I think it's mostly unvaccinated COVID patients who are there because Keeler and I are both vaccinated. I'm still incredibly careful, double masking in a lot of places. We did go to a couple gatherings. Numbers have said that like largely it's unvaccinated places that have the highest numbers. So the correlation is there at least. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm still very careful because if I were to catch the Rona and then pass it over to an unvaccinated person logically that would make me somewhat part of the problem even though i wouldn't be taking up a hospital bed i'd still be spreading a disease here something i thought of before if everyone acted like me all the civilians acted like me we like it would be gone we would be like new zealand everyone would have stayed indoors double masks not coughed on each other gotten the vaccine and we'd be out of this by now this is relevant because twitchcon is returning to San Diego in October 2022. That is over a year from now. Uh, it's going to be a year and some weeks before TwitchCon 2022 comes back. It's, I think, the biggest major convention uh, that I have gone to before that's been announced to be coming back next year. PAX West, of course, just happened. And I am looking at these numbers right now. I mean, the seven-day average being at 7,700, no virologist, but are we going to have it figured out by then? Are we eventually going to be able to go back to E3s and PAXs and actually be able to see all our friends in a somewhat crowded environment? I think you've said before on the show, Keeler, that conventions are the last thing that we're going to be going back to. I personally... At least me. At least me, at least. I didn't say we, but me. I personally... Conventions are back already in some level, but it's just I keep seeing people getting COVID from them. I want to make sure that I'm not going to anywhere with... I just held a big Pokemon tournament, which we'll also talk about a little bit. But that was literally at most 30 people in the store. And because you're playing a card game, you are literally sitting across the table from someone. Like, we can't have six feet 
unless you want to like reach over across the table to see the other cards people are playing. Uh, it's just unrealistic, and people are touching each other's decks. I, I'm still drawing the line at events. There are a couple dozen people. I'll go to the arcade on a Saturday night, and maybe there'll be 100 people there. Um, but it still seems, even though I'm vaccinated and the chance of getting it is low, the Delta variant goes through the vaccine. I still don't want to get sick, even though I'm not going to the hospital. Um, and then, even if uh, I weren't vaccinated, hospitals are filling up, which which I am. Hospitals are filling up super fast. It just this seems like such an annoying problem. Uh, but they're bringing back TwitchCon 2022, and they're also bringing back TwitchCon Amsterdam. Now, I don't know what the Netherlands is like and, and how Europe is doing in general as far as the Rona no goes. I right now, actually, to be but fair. that is before TwitchCon Amsterdam is coming back before October 2022. I think it's a couple months before. And I was actually supposed to go to that. That was actually one of the perks of working at my old job was I was going to go and meet up with the company. We had a budget set aside for company outings because we're a remote company to go to events together and hang out and have team bonding time. And it's also important because uh, I was a very, I'm not going to say like, oh shit, like Nikki's super famous, but I was a very like prominent member of the team. If you think of Treyarch and David Vonderhaar, you know, you think of uh, Infinity Ward and 402 way back in the day. I was kind of that guy where people would be like, hey, if I need something, I'm going to go to Nikki. I was the connection between the content creators and the game developers and the uh, actual place that I worked at. And so appearing at one of these events would have been good for me to just recharge my social battery or expend my social battery because I, I'm definitely an introverted person. But it also would have helped me connect with a lot of these people that I just talked to through DMs and emails, which would have been awesome. Uh, but yeah, these conventions are coming back next year and the Rona is not getting any better, which is a little bit worrisome. So... Uh, I have now been unemployed for a little over a month now, uh, and I am still chilling. I've been fighting with the unemployment department, which is incredibly annoying because uh, there's a lot of things with me having been an independent contractor instead of an employee. There's extra hoops I have to jump through. The government is uh, not very well organized. Their websites suck, and they their customer service people suck. But anyway... Since I've been unemployed, I don't want to just be a useless bum sitting around not making any money or not contributing to society in any way. Just sitting around here playing video games. I just feel like I need to be someone who's constantly doing something and improving myself or at least putting something into the community so I don't just feel like a useless bag of shit. So what I was doing for the past couple months actually is preparing this Pokemon tournament that I wanted to put on with COVID guidelines in place. I wanted to live stream it and we actually did the live stream here. On twitch.tv still shampoo 17 people ended up showing up i managed to keep everything socially distant i organized everything from making sure hand sanitizer was around to making sure the tables were separated to organizing the staff to the event to getting the venue it was a ton of effort i realized that i probably need more help in doing things like this uh, unfortunately i'm gonna be super transparent about this i made about 17 dollars off of this event this was well over a month of planning, like dozens of hours of work. It was a 10 and a half hour long day that I spent there working and setting it up. And I made $17. Now, of course, I wasn't in this for the money. I was in it to give people a safe place to play Pokemon cards with an experienced judge. I mean, anyone can be like, hey, we're holding a tournament, right? But when you put a lot of uh, money on the line in the form of packs, which is, you know, sealed booster packs is what we were giving away. 
You need to have experienced judges there. You can't just have someone not who doesn't know how to play the game running the tournament. And when a ruling needs to be made, it has to be correct. And we have to prevent people from cheating because if there's a big prize pool on the line with a physical card game, people can very easily cheat. Uh, whether it be on purpose or an accident, uh, there were, of course, mistakes made during the event that were done on accident, but you still have to punish because you know that you don't know if someone did it on purpose or not, but you still have to you know, make sure that everything is going along and uh, the proper winner is declared at the end of the day. So anyway, it was a ton of planning for not a lot of money, but it gave me something to do. And I was really excited to run this for people because people as far as Sacramento, which is about a two-hour drive, came down. It seemed like the player experience was really good. I learned a lot of stuff as a TO. For anyone who was TO'd, uh, tournament organized, for anything, whether it be a fighting game or a card game or a shooter or whatever, land parties, maybe a gaming cafe, it is way more difficult than you would think, but it's also not that hard. You just have to do your due diligence and make sure everything's written out and make sure that you're coordinating with the venue and the players and uh, that you're able to answer questions. But I have seen so many. We talked about on uh, an episode of season one of the Earl Access podcast, we talked about the whole game sync fiasco where I showed up to a literal warehouse that didn't even have tables to do a VR tournament. They didn't even have the equipment they needed. I called them. I asked, hey, do you guys have the equipment? Turned out they didn't. We had to go to Target to pick some stuff up. I literally helped them drill tables into the wall because they had a children's birthday party in this dirty, dusty-ass warehouse. Um, Ryan then ordered a shirt from them as a Christmas <laughs> gift to me. And this was how how many years ago? Three years? Four years ago now? They still Maybe haven't sent him that shirt? Four years at this point, actually. Yeah. I think it's been four years. They still haven't sent him that shirt that I was supposed to get for Christmas three or four years ago. We actually, as a meme, like went into their Discord and he actually mailed them and asked them for the shirt. And they said, oh, oh sorry, we'll send it to you. And then never, never got did. it. And yeah, this was, like a, have... this was like a few months ago, like yeah, maybe almost a year ago, but like at least like a nine months ago or something situation. We have receipts. Anyway, I flew down to this venue for a VR competition with way more money on the line than my silly Pokemon event, right? There was actual money, like a trip to Vegas, a hardware on the line. I ended up winning a PC from it, and that PC is now in Tokyo. Uh, I think it's still over there. I don't know if the dude is uh, taking it apart or sold it by now. But being a TO is incredibly difficult because, I mean, after having set all that up and doing my due diligence and, and making sure that I took care of everything... Players still sometimes will, will come to you with the silliest questions. You'll have everything written out. This tournament is best of uh, three top cut, best of one Swiss. And someone will be asking, hey, like, what card game are we playing? Like, no one, no one really asked what card game we're playing. But they'll ask silly things like that. Um, people won't read the instructions. People will have forgot to submit deck lists when you're in a card game tournament. And this applies, I'm sure, to Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh as well. You need to submit a deck list. It's a list of cards that you'll be playing. So you don't swap out cards or decks in the middle of the tournament to get an advantage. The judges of the event can check your deck list and then ask to see your deck after you're done playing a game and make sure the cards all match. And if they don't, then we have a problem. And so people were... Uh, a couple people didn't submit deck lists on time. A couple people just completely had no idea where to go, even though I posted the venue and like the full address. Uh, it, it's very stressful being a TO. Even if you have everything written out, sometimes the players don't read. And at the end of the day, I did it for $17 and for the absolute love of the game. But I'm still glad I did it. I learned a lot. Uh, I, the most challenging thing about this, what made it 
five times harder than it would have been otherwise was the live stream. I had to take all of this equipment and then reset it up for the Early Access podcast, took it out on Sunday, shows on Tuesday, I had to move everything back and forth. But my camera, like I had the co-caster bring the computer over, we had to bring monitors, I had to run an Ethernet cable across the store to make sure the stream wouldn't go down. I had to make sure that the camera out on the table wasn't going to get stolen. And because we were casting live at the event, I had to set up a caster's booth as well as a broadcasting table and then make sure the players couldn't hear the casters so they couldn't get any tips. Uh, it was a lot of effort. And I feel like I, I've learned quite a bit for the next time that I want to do it. But now that I'm unemployed, and especially with the Pokemon trading card game live coming out soon, I might want to lean into doing a little bit more uh, YouTube Pokemon content again. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. I'm playing Naraka, which we'll talk about a little bit uh, also is a fighting game. But I feel like I'm kind of all over the place with like not really dedicating myself to TikTok, even though I've accumulated a ton of footage and wanting to do Pokemon stuff. There's a ton of interest. Actually, I'll talk about segue in uh, Pokemon Live. Uh, PTCGL Pokemon Live is coming out at some point. It has been officially announced. It was leaked, but it's going to be a new client for the Pokemon trading card game. And the Pokemon trading card game online is literally 10 years old. It looks 10 years old. At the time when it came out, somewhere back in 2011, it was fantastic. Everyone loved it. Uh, It was the peak of online card gaming at the time. 10 years later, we're getting destroyed by Legends of Runeterra. Magic Arena, I think it is. I know Magic has two different clients. But every other card game, Hearthstone, destroying PTCGO. And so they have finally announced the Pokemon Trading Card Game Live, which is going to replace PTCGO. And there was a ton of outrage in the Pokemon community. uh, But I think there was overwhelming uh, more support and happiness. uh, But there was a couple criticisms that people had. So one thing that's happening with PTCG Live is that there are now microtransactions in the game. Right now, there's no way for you to spend money on the Pokemon trading card game online. You can buy code cards, but there's not actually spending money in the client itself that's going out and buying physical packs. And I guarantee you 90% of code cards just end up being thrown away because most people are just collecting. They're not really playing the game. So they either sell those code cards or throw them away. I've known kids who have thrown away literally hundreds of dollars of code cards because they just don't play the online game. They don't play the game itself. So they just end up throwing the code cards away. So right now there's no way for PTCGO itself to actually make money. PTCG Live has microtransactions. They'll have a special currency system, I'm sure, so you can get cards. But I know you'll be able to get things like cosmetics. And there was a lot of outrage. People said... We don't need cosmetics. This is dumb. And there's there's this business saying, and I hate that it's true, but we live in a capitalistic society. If it doesn't make money, it doesn't make sense. The Pokemon company would not have made PTCG Live unless there was some way to make money for it. Why improve the client and spend all this developer time making a brand new client when it's not going to make money? That's why they needed to add microtransactions in the game. I'm going to relate this back to Evolve in a second. But these developers have salaries. They have, I'm sure, families they need to feed. If not, they got to feed themselves. You got to pay them. So uh, I'm going to go back, way back. The year is, I think it was 2016, Evolve Stage 2. And Evolve Stage 2 is very, very briefly lived. It came out in July, I think it was July 3rd or June 3rd, somewhere around there in the summer. And 
I think it was October or November, literally just a couple months, they announced that it was shutting down. Evolved Stage 2's monetization system uh, was, I think it was Golden Keys was the currency. Evolved Stage 2 wasn't a very long last, and it was literally five years ago at this point. But what had happened was they put all this development time from Evolve Legacy, right? Evolve Legacy didn't really take off, had a lot of glaring issues. It was very punishing for new players. So they made Evolve Stage 2, which had a lot of improvements, similar to how PTCG Live has a ton of improvements. There was better visual clarity. It was easier for players to understand what they needed to be doing. They nerfed the shit out of the Trapper class, which I hated, but I understand why they did. The Trapper in Evolve was the person who trapped the monster, right? For those of you who don't know, I mean, if you're listening to the Early Access Podcast, I feel like you know what Evolve is, but... Evolve is a 4v1 game, four hunters, one monster. One of the hunters was the trapper. In Evolve Legacy, the trapper's job was to trap the monster. If your trapper was shit, you would never trap the monster and he would just get bigger and stronger until he came back and beat the shit out of you, right? The monster would evolve. In Evolve Stage 2, the trapper was everyone. The trapper just became a CC class to crowd control the monster and anyone could now trap the monster with the dome to initiate a fight, right? And that's one of the things that they did to make the game easier and more accessible. Anyway, point is, I've seen Evolve literally go through this same thing where we had client A and client B that was improved friendlier to newer players with microtransactions. Now, Evolve Stage 2 had microtransactions, but they shut it down because it wasn't doing well. Evolve Stage 2 was not making money. And so during the three or four months that it was a, it was a thing, they tracked the monetization of the game, realized that it wasn't going to be worth working on it further after all these resources were put into it, and then it shut down. And the servers are gone, and you can literally not play Evolve Stage 2 anymore because it wasn't monetized well enough. The game was great. I hated what they did to the Trapper, but they made it accessible to newer players. We were promoting it at Gamescom, right? They flew me out to do a big live stream to announce Evolve Stage 2. It wasn't monetized well enough, and they shut it down because if it doesn't make money, it doesn't make sense. PTCGL is the same thing. This is, again, client A is shit, client B is updated and more friendly to new players. It's the exact same between Evolve Legacy and Evolve Stage 2, PTCGL, and PTCGL. People are mad that PTCGL has microtransactions. Guess what? If it doesn't have microtransactions, they'll stop working on it like they did PTCGO, and it'll end up being shit. Now, one thing that's happening is PTCGO is developed by Direwolf, and PTCGL is developed by an in-house team at the Pokemon Company International. They've been working on this probably for a couple years now, and they need to make sure that that amount of time that they've spent in development pays off, and that the game continues to be profitable. And I'm really excited about this, because everyone heard about PTCGL. I literally went out to get my haircut the day it was announced, and my barber had heard. He's a casual Pokemon <laughs> wow. fan. He was like, Nikki, I hear PTCGL is coming out. I'm not even joking. Um, and I told him about it, and it's going to be available on mobile. Now, right now, if you want to play Pokemon cards on your mobile device, you need to have a tablet, which... I feel like we're not carrying around tablets a high percentage of the time relative to cell phones. Uh, or you need to have an Android phone and you need to download the Android APK. And it's not too hard to do, but it's a little hacky. And casual players aren't going to do that if you can't just download it straight off the Google Store. So the fact that PTCG Live 
is coming to mobile devices. Everyone's heard about it. Pokemon cards is still at a peak right now. We're all flipping Oreos. I literally saw Kewler. I'm not even joking. I saw a Mew Oreo sell on eBay for $500. A Mew Oreo. It's not even a Pokemon card. It's food. It's an Oreo. Which, by the way, I think a couple weeks ago we talked about um, the strike. I think the strike is over, and so getting Oreos is now... It is over. Yeah, okay, the strike is over now. So getting Oreos is no longer... we talked about it. Of course it did. Of course it did. This is what happens when you talk about the news on your shows. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, Pokemon is at an all-time peak as far as popularity goes right now, right? I see tons of streamers who have nothing to do with Pokemon opening up Pokemon cards. Tons of people are freaking out about Oreos. Pokemon as a franchise right now is at a peak. We have uh, Arceus coming out, Pokemon Legends Arceus. We have the remakes of Diamond and Pearl, which Diamond and Pearl, I believe, came out 15 years ago today. Was it 15? There's no way it's been 15 years. I am not counting that. I don't know. Is it 10? It's, it was a long, a long time. time. Man, no, no, was 10. 10 was 2011. Like 2011? Yeah, so that doesn't oh my feel God. like it was longer than that. Yeah, well, anyway, look, everyone knows what Pokemon is. They have some major games coming out, and I'm very excited. One of the things I was hesitant about with uh, getting back into professional content creation after I had lost my job was that no one gives a shit about Pokemon cards. PTCGO is a shit client. People people care about the cards. I should rephrase that. People care about, care about the cards. They don't care about playing. But there's this newfound interest with the announcement of Pokemon Live I was actually even in Indie Bear. Indie Bear is one of the top Pokemon Unite players. If you play Pokemon Unite and you scroll up the ranked leaderboards, he's literally like number one. I think he's number three right now, but he was number one. If you look at the top five players, he's literally there. And in between Pokemon Unite matches, he's playing Pokemon cards. And I was there in his chat coaching him through playing his deck. Now, don't backseat game, but he was asking for help. So I was happy to provide him some help. And so Pokemon Unite players are interested. My barber is interested. Random Twitch streamers are interested. People are doing sales and breaks. People are coming out to play in my real life events. It is looking really good for Pokemon right now. And to be a Pokemon trading card game player. And so I might want to capitalize on that a little bit. Of course, it's still all up in the air where I'm going to end up working, what I'm going to end up pursuing next. Because like I said, that Pokemon tournament that I just ran on Sunday was kind of like my big project to keep myself occupied for that month. And I don't know what I'm doing next. I'm not particularly pressed for for money and I got plenty of savings. I'm kind of chilling for a little bit. Um, But yeah, I'm just kind of sitting around trying things out. And I'm very excited for PTCG Live and the fact that it has microtransactions. Everyone, I'm not a guy who cares about microtransactions all the time. You know, there's a whole battle pass every season in Call of Duty Cold War. And I don't equip any of that stuff. The only reason I buy the battle pass is because if you buy the battle pass, you end up with more COD points than you started with if you complete it. That's the only reason I get it. There's charms in the game, camos. There's uh, camos with like evolving skins and there's variants and blueprints. I, I don't care about any of that. I'm just hoarding currency for some reason. In Pokemon Unite, I did spend like $200 to fully upgrade all of my items and I still don't regret doing that. Uh, so as far as cosmetic microtransactions go for PTCGL, I really don't care. And code cards are still going to work. The code cards, that's one of the best things about Pokemon is it's extremely affordable because the cards are cheap. But also, relative to other card games, 
Every time you open a pack, you get a code card, and those code cards unlock a pack in the game for you as well. And they're going to keep that in PTCGL. They're also moving a lot of your collection from PTCGL over to PTCGL. People would have lost their shit if you had to start over. And I, I personally actually would have been happy to start over if that meant I get a new client. But the fact that I get a new client and I don't have to start over is even better. I'm very happy about that. And I'm probably going to be giving away a lot of my cards because you can only transfer over four of each card to PTCGL. And I have 16 copies of certain cards. I might just end up giving those away and helping newer players get established in the game, which is only going to help grow the player base even more. Uh, so it's looking very hopeful for PTCGL. And I'm really hoping that uh, coming out in the future that it looks sick and that people get into it and that hearthstone and legends of runeterra viewership on twitch destroys us right now they're absolutely nuking us right now in terms of sheer viewership and the ptcgo category is doing worse than the normal pokemon card category because people are more interested in watching breaks than pokemon cards uh being actually played which is fine but i'm hoping that we can get up there and be as well viewed as big hearthstone tournaments so We'll see how it goes. There's no release date out yet, but I'm extremely excited and very hopeful for what's coming based off of what I've seen so far. All right, we got a couple. Uh, Oh, go ahead, Killer. Go ahead. uh, Diamond and Pearl was 2006, so 15 years ago. My God, I'm literally old. All right, so we have a couple other early access games to talk about. I've been playing Naraka Blade Point. I am absolute shit at this game, but it hits from my gamer motivation profile, which we talked about many episodes ago. There's a couple pieces of the gamer motivation profile, and the things that I like the most are competitiveness and lack of cooperation. By that, I mean I want to compete, I want to play against other people and not robots, and I don't want to play with anyone else. That, that's kind of thing. Or if I do play with someone else, it's a small team, like two or three people. You know, I don't want to be in a group of eight or six people trying to work together, right? Maybe a, a duo or a trio. So I played Naraka Blade Point after I watched a streamer uh, play it. It is literally, as far as the Battle Royale part of it goes, a Battle Royale game on Steam in Early Access, the Early Access podcast. Uh, It is a Battle Royale game. It takes pretty much everything from Apex and Warzone in that there's your standard health and shields. There's different weapons on the ground. There's a buy station. There's literally an airstrike, but instead it's a dragon that breathes air from the sky. There's money, which you need to use to spend at the buy stations. Uh, There's trios. There's characters with different classes, very similar to Apex. So as far as the Battle Royale elements of this game go, I feel very much at home. There's nothing new. It's literally just like Apex or Warzone. The part that I cannot wrap my head around, that I suck ass at, and that I'm trying to practice a little bit every day, but I'm so bad at it that I I really feel so far behind, is the fact that this is a melee-based combat game there are guns and there are ranged weapons but this game is mostly a fighting game so it's a fighting battle royale game uh with a variety of different weapons you got to learn to execute combos and work together with your team and use your abilities to make sure you don't get absolutely smacked i I am loving it the game is gorgeous the music is sick there's really deep character customization and this isn't something i care about but i realize that this part is important to put in the game so that other people care about it, so that they can come play with me, is they have really, really deep character customization, and most of the characters are large-tittied waifus. I personally don't care about either of those things, 
but that's something that does get other people's eyes in on the game. So I guess it's just overall, if I don't care about it, but other people do, it's a net positive for the game in general. But the character customization is crazy, and they have one of the most eccentric loot box opening animations ever. There's like the, this Buddha holding onto a golden chest, and these four spirits come in while this music plays, and they enchant the chest, and it explodes with some silly weapon skin that I'm not even going to use out of it. Uh, afterwards, I, I gotta give them credit for the amount of effort that they put in to making you want to buy loot boxes and feel good about watching that animation. But anyway, uh, the game is sick. It is just incredibly difficult because there's so much to know about the combat system with combos. Um, it works kind of like a rock, paper, scissors system where there's light attacks and then there's focus attacks. Uh, which light attacks cannot affect focus attacks. Focus attacks will just blast through you and knock you down if you're using light attacks. Then there's parries. So if you're using a focus attack, a well-timed parry will knock you over and you'll drop your weapon, right? But then parries don't work against light attacks. So there's a rock, paper, scissors system with the game. And there's this whole, like, baiting someone out. You can charge up a charge attack, make them do a parry, cancel your charge attack, and then go into some light attacks. And all the concepts are, are in my mind, and I, I recognize how to do all these combos. The hard part is the literal execution of it, because... It's on PC, and I mainly play Cold War and Pokemon Unite and things on a controller. So after like a year of not really playing anything that takes too much keyboard and mouse skill, just using my left hand to shift, W, space, crouch, cancel, it's, uh, it's getting a little bit complicated for me because of my lack of PC skills. But the core gameplay of the game, I'm really enjoying. And one thing that, that I really like that they did right is the glyph system. So the glyph system is basically the same same thing as items in Pokemon Unite. In Pokemon Unite, you get items that make you objectively better, and you can use uh, premium currency that you pay for with your real-life wallet to level up your items, which is what I did in Pokemon Unite. In Naraka, you can't do that. You can only use the in-game money to level up your glyphs, which are the same as items in Pokemon Unite. And I really like that system. Uh... But you can still get premium currency in the game and use that premium currency to get cosmetics. I think that is very consumer-friendly. It stops anyone from using their wallet to get any sort of advantage whatsoever, and it makes you play the game to get your upgrades. That I am totally cool with, and I think that is a very healthy system. But one thing that's starting to annoy me with all these other games that I'm playing now is I don't know what the first game was to implement the Battle Pass system, I think it was Fortnite, at least that's the first game that I played that had a battle pass system. Every game that I play has a battle pass system now. So, Naraka, Pokemon Unite, Cold War, I guess the only one that doesn't have it is Beat Saber. And if you care about being a completionist and, and the FOMO of not finishing your battle pass, having to get on every day and complete your bit dailies or weekly challenges to finish your battle pass, and the reason every game is using a battle pass system because it's great for player retention. They have metrics from other games. And they have plans to put things into battle passes to keep you interested in the game. But honestly, it's getting kind of irritating. It's I, I miss being able to not care about a game for two weeks. And there's no downside, right? You miss two weeks, but you didn't miss two weeks of challenges to level up your battle pass, right? Or you missed two weeks of dailies. Right? Every single game now is starting to get a battle pass system. And I'm starting to get battle pass fatigued 
because there's some days where I just, you know, I want to work out this day or I want to go out to the arcade this day. Even when I go to the arcade, I mean, there's no battle pass systems in like DDR, but there's still like when I go out and play Dance Rush, hey, play 10 times across four visits, right? And you'll unlock a new song. And, and every game vying to get your daily attention is really starting to get exhausting if you just want to level up and, and unlock things. And especially if you care about cosmetics, then it's got to be even more exhausting. And playing multiple different kinds of games now, I mean, I'm unemployed, so I have more time to play games. But Pokemon uh, Live, uh, PTCG Live, is going to have a Battle Pass system as well. And I'm definitely going to want to finish the Battle Pass system in PTCG Live because it gives you packs and, and dust or whatever the currency in that game is to unlock more cards. And that, of course, unlocking cards arguably gives you an advantage because you can then play more decks. But that's kind of how card games work. And, and that's the price of admission when you're playing a card game when you're playing with the actual cards. So I can kind of get past that as far as, you know, paying to get an advantage for a, a battle pass. Um, but yeah, they have a battle pass system coming to PTCG Live. So it's going to be that I'm going to have to manage also. And I, I'm getting really burnt out if you want to be maximum efficient i think just playing each game for 30 minutes a day right playing five different games 30 minutes a day is more efficient for progressing your battle passes than it is playing one game one day then one game another day then one game another day because each game wants to keep their daily active users up which is to be honest getting really exhausting and i i can't really think of another system because like i said if it doesn't make money it doesn't make sense these game developers need to make money they need to continue to support their titles and fix bugs and all that but it's just uh that's the downside to it i feel like i'm just i'm getting battle pass fatigued the last thing i want to talk about this week is how much time do we have left in the show oh we got plenty of time still uh db who worked uh on of he didn't really work at evolve he didn't work at turtle rock studios um, but he was the one who really got me kind of in with the developers on Evolve. Uh, DB is working on a new game cooler called Beyond Contact. It is a sci-fi survival game. I haven't played it yet, but he was nice enough to send me a code. And I'll probably try to get a group of friends together to play this game because it's co-op. But Beyond Contact is literally an early access game. Came out in early access last week. Mostly positive reviews right now on Steam. It is a survival game where you're in space and you need to build up, it seems like a colony and uh, like kind of a base and survive. And DB told me it's very difficult, which I am a fan of, at least for newer players. And you can play it either co-op or alone, build up a base. It's in early access right now, so they're taking a lot of feedback. And I want to be one of those people who kind of uh, helped shape the game if there's something that really sucks then that's one of the advantages to early access right the developers can then pivot off of whatever sucks and implement a better system so uh, I, I'm really looking forward to hopping into this game I haven't played a single hour yet but it is beyond contact on Steam and uh, I know DB has worked on plenty of games that I've loved before things like Evolve and Battleborn so I'll probably like this one also unfortunately other games that DB has worked on uh, have died because I have played them. I have played so many dead games <laughs> that Beyond Contact very well. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. I'm, I'm not being paid. DB just gave me a key. I can say whatever I want. But I have a long track record of killing video games. The Last of Us Factions. Gone. 
I know they're developing a new Last of Us factions. Um, they have actually confirmed on Twitter the Naughty Dog devs are developing factions again. But that is gone. Battleborn, gone. Evolve, literally gone. The servers for both of those games are gone. I, I knew this happened, but someone mentioned it the other day to me, and it really sunk in. Battleborn is gone. Gone. Like, it is completely gone. You can't play the single player. You can't boot up the game. The only thing that happens when you put that disc into your PlayStation is a message pops up and says, all good times come to an end and Battleborn is gone. Thanks for playing. It says something like that. You literally cannot get in and do anything on Battleborn anymore, which is mind-blowing. It was a fully digital game. Anyway, the point of this whole story is not to tell you about what happened to Battleborn, but to tell you that I've killed multiple games before. And uh, we can't be surprised if I'm able to do it again. But I'm going to check out Beyond Contact. It looks pretty cool. It's a sci-fi space survival game that kind of has like a, a sort of comic book style. It says on the Steam page it's inspired by the art and style of pulp, pulp science fiction comics, the moral dilemmas of contemporary space fiction films, and the unforgiving gameplay of survival genre classics. And the things that I like in games are if it's difficult... And I can play by myself or with just a couple other trusted people. I'm already sold. And the game's looking pretty good. So I'm going to go check it out. DB's giving me some tips on uh, things to do also to, to make my experience a little bit easier. There's like oxygen tanks in the game that you need to search out for. And you can build your own kind of in your home base. So hopefully two weeks from now when we have another episode of the Early Access Podcast, I'll be able to talk about that a little more. But yeah, that's all we got going on for this week. Next week, I'm going to be over at Sony, so we're not going to do an episode next week. So I'll see you guys in slightly mid-October, a little bit after that. It's been the Early Access Podcast with Nick Mistel Shampoo. Keeler has also been here helping out. Find us on Spotify and iTunes and live at 4 for these shows at twitch.tv slash Shampoo. Thanks for listening. Leave the show review wherever you found it. See you some other time.